Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunch Time. Rich pumps it in on the broadcast side, lean at front position, knocked away by Hitwood. Wood underneath, carved a path through, takes the shot on the run and he wobbled it through for a goal. It was not attractive in flight, but it was ruthlessly efficient for his third goal. Gave it away to Butler, kick for Wood. Suddenly a bit of dare in the Saints play. Having the game of his St Kilda life, Mason Wood to put them in front. He does. Wobbles in the direction of Rayner, who knew his way around the pressure, and coolly and calmly kicked a terrific goal. His second, and the Brisbane Lions reclaim the lead on Friday night football. Quick kick up in the Hipwood direction, it bounced over the top of him, knocked away from Danaher, Hipwood got it, Rayner again! Rayner with a chance to slam the door shut from the pocket, it's curling, it's curling! It's magnificent! Cam Rayner gives the beach to the Saints fans as he just about finishes their season off. It's a game that could have gone either way tonight. You know, I thought we dominated the first half and didn't have the scoreboard ascendancy that we should have because we had a lot of shots and they went out in the full or dropped short. And then St Kilda had the ascendancy for a fair bit of the second half. So, um, yeah, could have gone either way, but fortunately it went our way. Relief for the Brisbane Lions, who wake up on Saturday morning in second position on the ladder after a night of cold sweats. But it's lament for the Saints as the last chance slips through their fingers. But I don't think it was a bump. I, I don't think he chose to bump. I think he committed to the contest, and by the time Archie's meeting the contest as well, I, I still think it was incidental. I think the game's never been more lost than what it is now. And we've, we've got no idea on on um, basics of the game that we have always had a clear understanding of. We have never been more lost than what we are right now. You can clearly say on the vision that I went for the ball the whole time. I said that throughout the whole tribunal process. So I think the game still lends to evenly contesting the ball and um, that's not changed. Um, and, and the rules state it that way. So um, like I said, maybe that gives greater clarity um, for everyone. The AFL's judicial system confounds again as widespread dismay greets the overturning of the Patrick Cripps suspension. Carlton's good fortune is the league's headache and the hottest debate in footy. Obviously, this year will be the, the worst finish that we've had in the last 10 years and something's got to change. I see things through as best I possibly can. We, we all get there's a, there's a finish line for everyone at some point. But as I sit here tonight, I'm more than confident that um, that won't be at the end of 2022. As the club has maintained all year, Ken Hinckley is contracted and will be our coach in 2023. And Port Adelaide's week of wavering settles with a renewed commitment to Ken Hinckley. While North Melbourne makes its formal play for Alastair Clarkson. All that and the anticipation of some critical matches ahead on the round 22 edition of Crunch Time. It was an odd Friday night. The what-ifs of the first half were Brisbane's. 
the buts and maybes of the second half were St Kilda's. I don't know whether it was terribly satisfactory, but the Lions certainly got what they needed. And for Saints fans, it seems to be somewhere between exasperation and despair as they meet this Saturday. Jared Waitley with you. Luke Hodge is with me. Now, I'm always... I think that life and times of Dermot Burton are an adventure that I could never quite fully grasp. But Luke Hodge, you've had your little dash at it this morning. Welcome to Crunch Time. Oh, good morning. There's more to it, Jared. Um, it started at 6am when the fire alarm went off uh, <laughs> in the apartment block where, where I stay when I'm down here. So I was out there with, with about 150 other people with the fire alarm going and then it was a false alarm. So back in there and our kids have been a bit crook. So um, yeah, I didn't get the best night of sleep. And then as I was ready to come in and, and chat to you guys, um, I thought oh, I've got 10 minutes spare. So I'll... I'll clean the apartment. I went to take the bins down and what do you know, the door locked behind me. So I went and stole a <laughs> extension ladder from a trade, trade site the, um, just around the corner and, and climbed in through the, uh, the first floor window. So, no, it's been a, an eventful morning, but got here on time just. Got here before Doom did anyway. Thankfully, no one called the police as to why he would be climbing up on that ladder through the first floor window. Dermot Burton, welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. A burgeoning career in cat burglary coming up. <laughs> if you had seen how unstable I was on that ladder, you would have laughed. It wasn't, wasn't a pretty sight, but we got here. Oh, yeah, very, very good. Well, I can't complain. My son blocked me in. Clearly, he achieved, achieved his objective last night and blocked me in with his car and no sight this morning. So, oh, geez, <laughs> an adventure so I had to, get to pull out the motorbike. Sam, you just point. caught the train. And I, I had my own adventure, but nothing compared to these two <laughs> Hawthorne uh, luminaries. So great to be here. The train, that's a rather yeah. boring way of, oh, well, it's a good way of coming in. It had to be, uh, have its own adventure, Derm. I won't bore you with the details. How about the details in Camarena last night, though? I was wrapped for Camarena last night. Four second half goals. They only kicked five in the second half, the Lions. And for him to play every game so far this year after none last year with the ACL, what a magnificent return it's been for him. The sneaker, isn't he? He sort of sneaked up yeah. on us. We forgot about him and good how player. good he was. At, at I saw his under-18 year, not all of it, but quite a few of his games. Uh, yeah, he was well worthy of the number one choice, but he sort of sneaked up on us with that knee injury. You sort of look forward to certain teams and you go, oh, that's right, he's coming back. Yeah, he's, he's a good player and he's going to be uh, very, very good for many years to come. Hodgie, it was a bit of a weird night as the Lions might have been seven or eight goals up early and, and had it sorted. And then the flow of the second half is St Kilda should have won. Yeah, without a doubt. I think well, the build-up, I, I love the build-up for it. It was St Kilda, their season on the line. If they didn't, if they didn't win last night, um, their season was over. And that's how they played. They were physical. They hunted the Lions. They got under their skin. Um, they went after Lockie Neal. Um, and Windhager, he, he is a very impressive young fella. Even though the Lions blokes were going after him, he, uh, he kept to his job and, and looked really good. But you're right, it was, it was the first half of missed opportunities for the Lions. The amount of inside 50s they had but just couldn't convert. And then it was just a, a swap in the third quarter. The St. St Kilda Football Club dominated the third and parts of the last quarter but just couldn't convert. And then getting shots inside forward 50, and I know King, he, he would have slept terribly last night having five points and four from set shots, but there's a few others around that, that should have kicked some goals late in that game where you could just sort of see on the, the face of the St Kilda supporters, they, were, they felt their, the season was slipping away as, as every point was going through. You felt that with the St Kilda players, though. A, a broad brushstroke of, of how dominant the game was in those periods was 
at the exact 10-minute mark of the third quarter. Brisbane had 15 shots at goal to St Kilda's eight. So they're almost doubled their shots at goal. And they were 22 points up. By the end of the game, St Kilda had had true shots at goal, three more. So it shows you just the dominance they had in their second half and they, they couldn't bring home the bacon. They are coach kept. This is why coaches go grey and fans do too. So the Lions kick 4-1 from only seven entries in the last quarter, Jared. While Max King can't hit the side of a barn at the other. What, by the way, question here. Why is St Kilda so opposed, almost offended, to having a goal-kicking whisperer come in, if you like, to work with Max King? Benny Dixon did do some work down there and, and was very good for a lot of their boys. I was thinking last night about Ben Dixon, who's he's a very good technical goal-kicking coach. Um, if he's still there, sack him, and if he's not there, get him back. <laughs> no, well, Matthew Lloyd was famously or infamously um, shut out last year when it looked as though the old uh, Halebury coach was going to come down and, and mentor him in front of the sticks, and St Kilda said, no, no, we got this. We got this. Technically, he, though... Sorry, go on, go on. No, no, go ahead. Technically, though, if you, the way people analyse a golf swing, the way people analyse a bowling action in cricket, his, his kicking action has many different forms. His very first miss, which he pulled left, he was right over the ball. His body came forward of his hips on the kick and he just pulled it left. Thereafter, he came in very slowly and then on the strike. It's all about where your body is when you strike. And his body was leaning right back and it was like, and kicked with no venom. When you lean back, that's fine if you kick it with some punch, but he had no venom in that kick when he was leaning back so it was it was like somebody taking the driver who's hooked one minute and sliced the next and just has no idea how to get it down the center i think if you look you don't want to you don't want him to go to the extent of a ben brown where he runs in 50 meters with that momentum mm. and kicks straight even though it works for ben brown but derm's spot on that it's like he's takes three or four steps and then kicks with no momentum and when, when that happens, if your body's leaning one way or leaning the other, that's why the ball moves so much. Uh, if you've got the momentum going and kicking through with a bit of power, even if you don't hit it perfectly or your body's not exactly where you want it, the momentum normally takes it through. So he's he's clearly going to have to go through and look at it because that that style that he's got, the goal-kicking style, won't won't last for, for long, I don't reckon, if he can, continues to kick like that. It but, reminded me of that line out of Moneyball when they were, were talking about player X and he says yeah but he gets on first he gets yeah, on base he, yeah, yeah he gets he got some gets on first base Ben King for as good as he is he just doesn't get the goals Max oh, sorry Max Max, Max King yep. for as good as he is and marking the ball he just can't get the ball through well, the so, goals so he's 22-20 I know you want to move on Jerry 22-20 in his debut year 38-30 in his second year and this year prior to last night anyway he was 47-36 but he appears to get he's kicked six straight in games but he appears to get in this whirlpool of despair, if you like, and he can't extricate himself from it. So he's had games this year where he's kicked one goal seven, he's kicked a two goal five, and then he had his his game last night. So it's almost like when he misses the first couple, and he's not on his own here, mm. it's hard for him to pull himself the out. The facts are revealing in the numbers, for sure, absolutely for sure, except that they get skewed. If you were to take inside 25, inside 30 metre shots... Key forwards whose craft is, they should be kicking. You know, we hear about plugger 71%. Inside 25, 30 metres, they should be 9 out of 10. Is it, and he's not, he's nowhere near that. Yep. Is it the pressure of the situation or is it getting to him mentally? Because on Friday nights, so when it's a big week, everyone wants to play Friday night football. It's the big game everyone looks forward to. He's 5.15 on Friday nights. 
on Saturdays he's seventeen twelve, and on Sundays he's fifteen six. Is that Jeez, it? Look at the shit. <laughs> is that that's, oh, no, no, that's analysis? Is that is that someone overthinking? Or what time building... did you go to bed last night? <laughs> I, I told you I've been crook. <laughs> um, no, that, is that someone who thinks wants to play that well on the big Friday night on the big scene? Thinks about it all day and then gets to it and goes, "Oh, I've overthought this. What happens if I miss it?" And then once you miss the first one, those, that little man in your head starts talking. Um, but then you get to Sunday, he's watched football, he's been occupied by other stuff, he's had training the day before. It just seems like the more he thinks about it or the bigger occasion that he puts in his head that he's, he's not handling the situation. You'd have to know the boy to answer that. You back him in, though. He will turn it around. He's as professional and as diligent and as driven as that. He's a great kid. He's a good I, kid. Yeah. I'd back him to turn around. But these are, are these not just the rough edges in the diamond early on in your career, Hodgie, maybe? Yeah, I think if you listen to Brett Ratton talk last night, he does so much well. And I think this is like this is how you feel for a young guy. He's in his third year, and we, we're so harsh on him because I think everyone believes on how good he can be. So this is only one part of his game. But considering the result last night, it was a pretty important part. But he does so... So much other things that are, that are so good to watch. He's leading, his hands, his marks, um, how he moves for a big fellow who's, what is he, six foot five. Uh, oh, all that he's, stuff. He's bigger than that, Hodge. Is he bigger than that? Oh, yeah. I know Ruffy's down there now, but I did a couple of years down there just going in one day a week and doing some work with the forwards, key yeah. forwards. So it's your and fault he's missing. Thing- so- no, Dicko was the uh, goal-kicking <laughs> coach. Uh, the one thing I'd say about him is he, I haven't seen from, like, you know, when you get the one-two jump start, like quick feet, da-da-da, jump launch at the ball. I've never seen anyone take the ball higher off the ground. Six foot eight in the old. Six, Six eight. foot eight. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, he's very, he's huge in, in height. He's very long. He's not overly Big, but I don't think you people say, Oh, wait till he get beefs up. I don't think you want to beef him up all that much more because he'll lose that elevation in the jump, and that's his major weapon. Still yet to see him break somebody with that enormous pace because both the brothers have scintillating pace. So you could almost on occasions play a pagan's paddock with him because no one's going to beat him running. No full back is going to beat him running back towards goal. So he's got got a few weapons at his disposal. I I think I probably shouldn't ask Derm this because I think I'm going to know the answer. But as a centre-half forward, should he be more aggressive? Because you saw that last night there was blokes that were six foot two that were bumping him, physically getting into him. If someone did that to Buddy Franklin, they'd be on their back. Like he wouldn't stand for a bloke of uh, half their size, twenty kilos less weight than him. He, buddy, would not stand for that because he'd want to intimidate. He'd want to bully and let them know who the boss is. Last Depends night- on the circumstance, Hodgie. Depends, and I, and I was, I know that one that was down in the left-hand forward pocket, far point post boundary line throw in, and I, I think it was Matheson got into him and then tried to milk a free kick out of it. It depends on the circumstance, and yes, there are times. I think your description was he's got to, was it you or Brian said he's got to run over the top of them. Um, if the ball is live, put up with it so you can win the ball. Oh, yep. If you if somebody, you know, if, if the situation is it's not going to hurt the team at that moment, yes, make the stand. The one thing, he doesn't, when, he's, when somebody's grappling at him to stop his lead and the likes, there is a small, <laughs> Jared's sense of fairness doesn't like these, <laughs> these standards, but there is a small term, short term loss to be laid out 
in view of a long-term game. So if some bloke's grappling at you as you start to lead, if you thrust an elbow back into his sternum, it might go for a free kick, it might not. But it's going to be, the, the, the opposition player's going to be reticent next time whether he does it or not. If you never do anything, they will keep harassing you and pressing the line, the envelope right to the line. So it depends on the moment. And I, I do agree, there are moments I think I would like to see him probably exert a little bit more physical influence. I saw him last night grab Noah Ainsworth and threw him to the ground. It took three Lions blokes to get him off. And I'm sitting there going, that's the aggression a centre-half forward needs. And as you said, this was a behind play. They both were having a bit of a tussle, one-on-one, um, one -on -one, and then it went to two-on-one, and, and he showed anger, and he was physically getting stuck into it. And I sat back and go, that's what they need as a centre-half forward, to intimidate the small half-backs. We're going to try and get stuck into him. Here's Brett Ratton on Max King. That The first question last night regarded uh, whether they would accept some outside help for his kicking. He won't be seeing anybody outside the club. He doesn't need to. We've got people with the skill set to keep working there. And as I said to you, it's not just all about the technical aspect. There's a, there's a mental aspect to it as well. So with goal kicking, it's a closed skill and there's different elements to it. So it's not just we bring somebody in and they you know, fix up the hand drop or anything like that. He hasn't got many flaws, but you know sometimes it can go against him. What I do know is I want Max King in my corner and he'll be, he'll be at our footy club for 10 years and when we look back we'll be saying what a you know, great player he is and what he's done and uh, I want to I go to war with Max because uh, he delivers and he will deliver. So he's with his guy but, but you can't ignore, like you have to help him be as good as he can be. Yeah. And and soon he's fifty nine games in. So yes, this is the uh, this is these are the fledgling years. But uh, given that this has been a problem that's existed in his kicking from the start, it is we're actually quite a long way in for for that to be the case. Last night, I think. Is he the number one player moving forward for St Kilda? Yes. So of course you're going to back him in. That's. Good, solid words yep. from the coach to, to endorse him as he's our man. We build this club around him. Uh, as I said, if if you are the person getting the ball in the in the forward half, you have to create goals or kick them yourself. Uh, and and it, it would and I'm right in Max King's corner as well. But with his poor kicking last night, they lost the game. And it was so it was graphic and it was audible. Like the, the despair in St yeah. Kilda fans and the trepidation in the build up to his set shots. Once he'd missed the one from fifteen out and he had the next one, there weren't a whole lot who weren't looking through their hands at what was about to transpire. The sound was sort of somewhere between just the groaning of, Oh, why is this our lot? We cursed St Kilda fans and uh, their despair and exasperation. So that's a, and that's a bigger picture. This is a team that started eight three. They look like they'll now back out of the season three eight. So there, there are there are some pretty severe realities, Dermot, for for St Kilda to face up to. There is just on that too. And Luke's better qualified, but I remember, and it's just it's such a learned and, and intelligent man who played in the back half of our ground, Chris Langford. And he says, he said to me once, it means so much to us down back when you guys kick straight. And that for him to say that, we spoke volumes. Hodgie, you'd be the same when you went back to see blokes 
kick goals that were less than a 50-50. It's so buoyant to the rest of the team. And, and, in, and, the, and equally the same in, in, in the opposite. Oh, without a doubt. You are reward for all the work that you do. You, to, to go through and get a, a, a teammate to have a shot on goal for all the work that everyone else has done up the field, for him to go back and the difference from them nailing that goal to missing it, because then the pressure goes on the next person and then the next person. And, and that's what it seemed like with St Kilda. Yes, King had a few, but there was a number of them that I think they kicked five points in the last quarter. Mm. Uh, and you just felt every time they had that set shot, it was, it was just more and more pressure on that next person because of what had happened prior to it. Yeah. I, as a kid, I, coming from Frankston, my mum thought it was only safe for me to go on the train to Moorabbin. So I saw a lot of St Kilda games. She was a lot more dangerous in Frankston than it was at Moorabbin. But, so I saw so much of St Kilda and seen those fans last night. They are hilarious, the St Kilda supporters. It was, it was almost like they gave up and laughed at themselves. We should I just flicked myself off with my arms and we should be winning this, but this, we are St Kilda. There's a reason why we won't. And it's got nothing to do with winning the ball or the way we play. It's some other little reason that's given, as you said, our lot. And the, the way they hung their heads in their hands and smiled and said, oh, yeah, well, that's us. Oh, it was, oh, it was, it was hard to watch. Yeah. It really was. So what, what's their lot? Um are they one or two players away, or are they? Is their list now in a quandary where they they brought players in to contend? They're not contending. So what do you do next? Well, I looked. When I look at their list, I think they've got eleven. Core, if if you want to say twenty, what are we now? Twenty twenty two, twenty twenty four. I think they've got eleven core players who will be there at the sharp end of the season in two full seasons' time. Um, Max King, obviously. The, uh, the the best of them. Most of their good players, other than that, are imports. Now, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But imports come to you mid-career. And that means you don't have them for that whole build, like a Max King, like a Windhager. And I'm including him in it because I'm thinking 44 games down the track. So I expect him to be. We've seen enough evidence there to suggest that that boy has got a career. He did too of good of a job last night. Yeah. I would have thought. If you ask Chris Fagan, too good of a job. But we'll get to that maybe. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's going to have a career of real substance. So, but you hold them up to. It's it's great to say we've got a fine list. It's structuring well, but how does it compare to the others? And I could count six or seven lists right now that I think are ahead of them. What do you think, Hodgie? What's there is. Is their premiership in this group, or do they have to, to get to the business of, of getting some draft talent in? Um, oh, look, if, if I was St. Kilda, I'd be going for Dugowie, because I reckon he, he's a player last night that would love that opportunity, would, would see that game. It's a big game. He would love the ball in his hands in pressure situations. My, my issue, is, issue with St. Kilda is the effort. Like Last night, I don't think anyone could argue that the effort wasn't there. Where's that been throughout the season? We've seen games where they've been really, really good, and especially early in the year, it was they were eight and three uh, going into the bye, and everyone's sitting there going, "Oh, St Kilda, here we go." But then, well, yes, they'd had a few few injuries to steal and, and a few other main a few other main people. But that intensity of that, that they showed last night of our seasons on the line, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go and hunt the team. We're going to be physical. We're going to bash into Neil. That's just not consistent enough for this team. And before, we, before they start bringing in other people, they need to get that right from all the, all the blokes at that list. 
there, there was one thing that, that signified how blue-collar this team is last night in one moment, and I am friendly with him. I think he is an outstandingly good player. He's a, he's a fantastic young man, the captain, Jack Steele. Remember the goal where uh, um, Big Danaher ran into the open goal and just slid it across? At the other end on that play, Jack Steele, as good as he is around the footy, got the ball forward of the centre, 75 metres from goal, no real pressure, and kicked to a one-on-one, -on -one and it favoured the backman long into this right-hand pocket. From that moment, it got rebounded right to the other end, and Danaher walked in the goal. That suggested that in that moment there was Jack Steele is awesome. By God, I'd love him in my team. But they lack the class delivery. You, 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 I mean, you've only got one of each, but you, you wanted uh, Hilly to be kicking that ball in there. And it said to me, their best player in the middle of the ground just couldn't deliver the skill set required in that pivotal moment. The Lions side of the equation next. 15-point winners last night. They sit second on the ladder right now. The Friday night scores for Werribee. Isuzu Ute upgrade your old Ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. Brisbane 12-9-81 defeated St Kilda 9-12-66. You're listening to Crunch Time. Our Friday night footy discussion is for Werribee. Isuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. The award-winning Crunch Time. Our Friday night breakdown for Werribee. Isuzu upgrade your old Ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. At three-quarter time, Brisbane risks putting their whole season up in smoke as there would have been no top four without the four points last night. This time next week, we'll know their fate after they've played Melbourne. I think there was a degree of frustration, Luke Hodge, is they might have blown the game apart and got the percentage that they wanted had they converted their opportunities, and then it became one of those tooth and nail struggles. What did it, What sort of insight did it give us into the, the health of Brisbane's game as they try to mount this premiership assault? Uh, early on, it reminded me a lot like the, uh, the Melbourne-Congwood game last Friday night, where Melbourne had a lot of the ball, a lot of the ball in their fourth half, fourth 50, but just couldn't convert, and you Collingwood would get the old the odd goal just through ball movement, which kept them um, in the game and ended up close enough where they they won in the final stages. That was very similar to what the Lions did last night. They they started really well. They won a lot of the ball inside Ford Fifty. They owned it in the first in the first fifteen minutes of the game. But as we we sort of saw with St Kilda in the second half, if you can't convert, uh, you can't put scoreboard pressure on. All it takes is a little bit of momentum from the opposition. They they get a few goals and, and you give them a snip. So <clears throat> there's no doubt that there would have been a lot of frustration at the uh, at the Lions camp at half time and, and three quarter time. The fact that they did play some some really good footy at times, but they they couldn't get rewarded. And then fortune favours the brave, I guess. I, I think it looks like they simplified things in that second half. They just wanted to knock it forward. Oscar McInerney was really good uh, in the last quarter. Three had three or four surges from the stoppage. Was punching it forward. And I think they just tried to simplify it. Get the ball forward, uh, give our give our talented forward line the opportunity rather than just try and uh, kick Mark like they did for the first part of the game. Hodgie, every day's a new day and you run out against different opposition and it's how you front up on the day. But by and large, did you see signs last night that they can take on Geelong and beat them, take on Melbourne and beat them from here in? 
Uh, what I saw last night was a team that that changed their game style for, for the, the venue that they were playing, and I think that's what you need in finals. What, what, what we saw a couple of weeks prior to that when they got off to a good lead against Richmond and then uh, last week against Cart when they got chased down is they were, try, they, were, they were too aggressive. They were trying to score at every second of the game, which gave turnover opportunities to, to their opposition, and they ended up scoring against them. So what was evident last night was they realised that history has shown that at Marvel, they don't play there often, but they move the ball too fast. It's a slingshot. It's a back-and-forth game of football, and they didn't want that against St Kilda. Um, so I, I, I liked the fact that they were able to tweak it, but then also get to a stage at three-quarter time and say, the tweak that we that we did worked early, but we couldn't get scoreboard pressure. Let's just go back to our old style. Knock on, get forward, just a tough, hard style of football, which you have Cam Rainer down there, who he's probably your, your third or fourth or fifth forward um, over the last couple of years. Uh, can turn it on and kick three goals. So I liked how they were, they were able to change their game style, which I hadn't seen a lot of that in the previous month. You've got, I'll say you, because you're totally understanding. I mean, you have three main avenues to to goal in your key forwards, and they are fleeting. Um, it, it, they come into the game and then they are out of it for protracted periods of time. Um Eric Hipwood, even his first goal of the night, there was, I don't think I've seen a less unsure mark above his head <laughs> as the one he ran out from on the, the right-hand side of screen. He kicked a goal from it, well done. But, but if you're playing finals footy, he's not grabbing that. They're fleeting moments for their forwards. They're not, they're not grabbing the game and going, right, okay, we've, we've got 14 inside 50s this quarter. Let's make eight of them really stick. They, they just don't nail games. Yeah, well, I can't argue with you. Um, I reckon the, the Lions score a lot through talent. It's not through system, through structure, where you see a lot of teams in the past have had success. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone's leading to a certain pattern because they know where the ball's going. With the Lions, their forward line is that talented. It looks like a lot of it is Charlie will do something amazing or Joey will take a big mark or, or be a big kick from Mitchie in there and then there'll be some crumbing. Um, but there's, there's no consistency on how they, they score goals. Uh, and that, and that, that can be an issue. They're, the three talls, McStay, Danaher and Hitwood, haven't played a lot of football together, but they've played a little, the, the last little patch of four or five weeks. They've had a bit of continuity of leading patterns and, and working with, with one another. But you'd want to, for them to go deep in September, you'd want that connection to, to improve over the next two weeks uh, into finals. Talent-driven goals are great until you meet a, a talented back line. And then it dries up. And, and this is what's going to be so big about this Friday night. Melbourne are a talented defensive unit. And that's, yep. that's where they've squashed the Lions the last three times they've played them. Yeah, they played Sydney round seven last year. And Lions were up by 20 points. And then Melbourne just stomped them, squeezed them. All this flashy ball movement, which, which the Lions are capable of, they just wouldn't let it happen. And then last, the, the final last year did the same. And then earlier this year, we saw the, the Thursday night at the MCG. So this is a part that the Lions have to get their head around. That It's not going to be an easy transition game against, against Melbourne this week. And this is a part of what we're going to see is can they handle the pressure in September? Because going into Melbourne, it's a pretty big and important game and a, and a nice warm-up for them um, for the last game of the season. What did you think of David King's synopsis on um, Harris Andrews? <laughs> well, I laughed at it, to be honest. That's, that's the only response I was going to get. To say he needs to be more manly. He beats physical, he gives away a free kick, and everyone goes, oh, it's undisciplined, it's off the ball. He, Harris Andrews is in more contest than any other defender. He gets out there, he, he can mark, he can intercept mark. He gets to a stage now where teams are working ways to get him out of the contest because they know how good he is, or how good he is down the line. So... 
as when, when Ford's put a lot of time into a main defender, he's not going to be best on every week. But even last night, we saw what, what he could do. Um, King had a few opportunities to kick goals and miss them, but I thought Harris defended really well. He was physical with him, and he, he showed against King that he was a bigger bloke who was happy to put his body on the line. Um, but as far as, as far as King, King probably may have seen one or two efforts from Harris. Um, but tell you what, I could probably show you another 60 or 70 clips that says totally opposite. Have you got them in premiership contention, Dermot? Once you're in there, you're in contention. Who knows what happens on the day? But if everybody plays their best game, no. If they play their best game and the other guys are off, yeah, that's just common sense. But if everybody plays to their full capacity, and that's the only way you can judge this, the only way you can go in making your judgments, no. I, I think their best is good enough. Like Watching what they've been able to produce, I reckon early in games against Richmond and against Carlton, what they were able to produce is probably their best football for the year. And I, I, was sat, I sat back and thought, this team is appealing. It looks good. It moves the ball well. They were playing hard football. But what I don't, what I don't like and what I'm fearful of is the difference between their best and their worst is a big gap at the moment. And if you look at other teams, you look at Geelong, that gap isn't there. And a few of the other teams, Collingwood's gap isn't there. So that's that's the fear for the Lions is their best is definitely good enough, 100%. But that drop down, it seems to be. We even saw it last night from the first half into the third quarter and how they were getting dominated in the in the last quarter. Um, that That's my fear for them. That, when you say their best is good enough, I would agree. Except if you're going to win a premiership this year, somewhere on preliminary final day, you are going to be playing either of Melbourne or Geelong. And if Geelong or Melbourne play their best, we're not going to see Brisbane's best. There's a lot to play for on Friday night. Maybe a qualifying final at the Gabba. Up for grabs. It depends what happens over the remainder of this weekend. Sam, you referenced the the tagging of Lockie Neal. Here was Mm. Chris Fagan with his assessment in the press conference last night. Yeah, we we felt that uh, he would get tagged by by Wintager. and he did a good job. But I, what I liked about Lockie is he, he never stopped having a crack and, and uh, uh, he did a lot of selfless stuff for his teammates tonight around stoppages that probably don't get him a stat but make us better. So I, play, I thought he played a really selfless team role tonight and I was really pleased about that. Um, it, was, it was interesting how he was tagged. I'll just say that. It was interesting how he was tagged, that, you know, that, that he was blocked off the ball and various other things. It, during the night, but um, I guess that's the way it goes. He, he gets pretty rough treatment, I reckon. Is that something you see clarity from? Yeah. Oh, I'll probably, you know, like to have a look at the tape and and uh, see what it looks like. Um, I mean, I know it happens a lot, but players shouldn't get blocked from getting to the to the ball like he does. I want all ball players to be looked after, not just the blokes in my team. Was the tagging legal? Oh, I know it happens a lot. He's not wrong there because it was only a few weeks ago that Gold Coast complained over Stasevich's tactics on Isaac Rankin for exactly that, blocking and turning his back at stoppages. So every three or four weeks, we know what happens. The, the coaches, uh, t- they go into bat for their players. So Lockie Neal, 16 touches, hasn't been held to a number like that since round two last year. So it was a really good effort by Winnega. It's in the margins. They'll go and they'll see clarity. Will it achieve anything? Probably not. Saying it's probably enough. It's probably is, Jared. Yeah, so that's that's where that one's at, I thought. Some of his crumbing moments last night, even in the in a, a very low tally count for him, mm. 
some of his crumbing moments were extremely good that gave the Lions real real momentum going forward. There was one other, the stand rule flare. There was a flashpoint for the stand oh, yeah. rule last Zorko time. Zorko broke. He was at the Olympics and marched to the <laughs> train for Christie, you would have been kicked yeah, off the that track. it was a big break. It was, but gee, players <laughs> do that and he, he, he bought it. I just... Chris Fagan was asked about that too, and he said you'd hate for a grand final to be decided by a 50-metre penalty because a guy takes half a step to his left. No, no, no. This wasn't half a step to his left. He leapt. Yeah. He leapt out of the blocks. He got into the stars. And he blocks. knew he crumpled down. Oh, 100%. Oh, what oh, he, he knew because you've got to be statuesque. <laughs> so if, if it gets decided on a grand final, that's player error. Straight up, play. you yeah. can't break does the in the Olympic fit, final. Does the punishment fit the it crime if he matter. takes That's a the step? Rule. Yeah, it is the rule. Don't leap. He, I, he didn't step. He leapt. If he leapt. <laughs> oh, come on, if there's someone, if there's <laughs> someone who's going to argue that <laughs> he, he didn't do the wrong thing, Dane Zorko's the first person who'll turn around and argue with an umpire if he did the wrong thing. He put his head in his hands and almost looked yep. and thought, yeah, I made a, yeah. made a mistake Jeez, here. He was, he was in the thick of it last night, wasn't he, Zorks? He was in all the scraps. Well, I think if you're a, you're a captain and your best player, Brownlow medalist, is getting heavy contact, and look, I I love what what he uh, what what he was able to do, um, but of course you're going to go and stick up for him. And this this is this is what I, I thought was a physical game last night, and then I thought there was so many soft free kicks during that third quarter, which were downfields, which was a 50 meter penalty, the one where Lockie pushed Hilly in the back, and it was a 50 meter penalty. Lockie got that 27 times last night, more physical than what he gave. Um, but that, I, I didn't mind that part from Zorko. He was trying to stick up for for one of his teammates, and and yeah. a lot of the other blokes did. I know um, Joey Danaher was probably a bit undisciplined, gave away a down the field after St Kilda just kicked the goal. Uh, but once again, he was trying to stick up for for a couple of his midfielders. He leapt. He's still, he leapt. He, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, make you sound like he was. Superman. He was in the starters blocks, wasn't yeah, he? he? Was. Yeah, and he was ready to go. Hey, oh, a separate issue, but about this issue, oh, I hate the fact that. 17 are playing against 18 with the stand on the rule mark. He's he's non-participant, the 18. Is there a chance we could, like in basketball, where you've got one planted foot, you can pivot with that foot? Is there a chance we can do something like that? You, you can just move one foot as long well, as you, so it keeps you've you... You've got a choice. If I, have to, if I hear through the up mics one more time outside five, I might just leave the living room <laughs> because you can be outside five, then, yeah. and therefore you, it is 18 on eight. And haven't, the, haven't we had the benefits of it? So there's the mm. you can zero right in on him standing still, but isn't some of the footy we're getting... Partially attributable to the way the game has been opened up. Yes, yes, and so I'll take the bloke standing. Agree with that. Stand there because the game is better for it. Jared, how's this? Jared, would you that the stand rule all the way until the fifty, and then as soon as it gets inside D fifty, the bloke can jump around on the mark and be able to move sideways, so that doesn't happen. Is is that would that be something that you would look and think that's okay? Just another thing the umpires have to yeah. police. All oh, that was inside that the paint. It was a, outside the paint. Oh, he had his foot on the There's a big white line around the outside that you can sort of say, is he inside he the in? white was line? He is he outside of it? And I know, because yeah. so, so I, I like the rule. The, is I, it if the forward kicks the ball from inside 50 no, it's or where the man, where, where, the, where the man of the mark is. And that, that's what the, I, I love the stand rule. And as much as I, I hate the umpire saying stand, stand, but yeah. the flow on that we get from the ball on the half back line and then the player's smart enough just to wait until. The, his teammate is parallel to the man on the mark, giving him that handball because he knows he can't move. It it, get, it brings flow on. It gets balls moved from one end to the other really quickly. It's really exciting. I think that's what's brought so much to our game, uh, doing yes. that. But I do also I do also sit back and go, if you've got a chance to delay or to move side to side and, and stop a handball receive while you're inside your D50, I, I think that should be a little bit more lenient. 
if the benefits you, if you are fake great. the handball, right, and you flinch, the umpire, I think, should be empowered to go, no, 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 if you're going to fake it, I'm okay with it. Oh, hang on, that's what but, I... No, no, if you leap oh, in the manner... <laughs> he did not leap, Jared, into the step. So I think there's, there's oh, modification leap. within it. But here's what I'll tell you. Of the thousand-plus marks and free kicks that are taken this weekend, no. Dane Zorko will be the only one who doesn't manage to stand still <laughs> in true. that singular moment. That's true. And quickly, Jimmy Webster, obviously, hamstring, won't see him again this year. Brad Crouch, and I think we'll see him again this year either. That is weeks at the tribunal. Sure. Even with the appeals yeah. board? Bumped, got him in the head. He did oh, get well, him in the head, and I know. that did say the same thing this Contact was with the body first, and then the, the head. And he got up straight away. And he he actually was good enough that what happens is when you somebody bumps in the head and they go to ground and their head actually ends up striking the ground. Um, yeah, that looks bad. But he still had enough power in his body after being suffering that knock he didn't even let his head go to ground i'm looking for every reason to get him off <laughs> he's getting he's not getting off he's not getting off <laughs> we have a lot of ground to cover on crunch time today north melbourne makes its move for alistair clarkson we're there next you're listening to crunch time for the werribee isuzu utes they make buying cars easy the award-winning crunch time North Melbourne makes its play for Alastair Clarkson. Today's newspaper ad is, there's no level of dignity. They're just all in, hard on sleeve, pleading with him. <laughs> Alastair Clarkson, North Melbourne Football Club player number 781. Please come home from passionate North Melbourne members. An offer, a formal offer, Jake Nile was reporting last night. Five years, maybe more in the way that Jake had written it. Sam Edmund, what's the, what's the latest around Clarko? Well, North Melbourne are chips in, but we've known that for some time. They are the they are at the Alistair Clarkson table, if we're to use the gambling analogy, and they're not going to any other tables. So, so they're chips in Alistair Clarkson to the point where only the, the president, Sonia Hood, is doing the negotiating or the meeting with, with Alistair Clarkson. So that's where North Melbourne sit. Oh, We'll get Derm's opinion and Hodge's opinion on whether that's the right length of tenure or, or what off the top. But GWS, with their, where they're at, Jared, they will not budge. There's no offer for Clarkson from the Giants at the moment. They are determined to stick to the process that they have in place. They've met with Alistair Clarkson a handful of times, sometimes with his manager, James Henderson, sometimes without his manager, just Alistair Clarkson. They've met with others, of course, the assistant coaching fraternity, if you like, that, are, that have been well documented there. So... You, he can't accept the job if he's not offered the job. Yeah, but he hasn't been offered land the job. The bloke if you're not prepared to offer him the job. But I'll is there an element of the Giants that are just waiting for him to sign with North Melbourne and then so that they never offered him the job? And you go, no, in our process, it was always Adam Uze. Well, all Which that is what North Melbourne are risking. Yeah, but and North Melbourne are right to risk it. Oh, I think that's fine. And and having been, but, but if Clarkson, the... if if the Giants really want Alistair Clarkson, mm. you're not going to land him unless mm. you offer him the job. That all they're just, saying at the moment. I know. You, you're right. Let me take you down another track. Having been there as a footballing department, if you are chips all in on one and you miss, it is an, it, it's almost regarded as a slight on your club. Oh, aren't you attractive enough for that person to actually want to go there? Now... Let's be honest, Alice, there's a different kettle of fish to every other prospective coach out there. There's two ways of looking at it. Are you chips all in and risk egg on the face when he says, when he declines the job? Or do you say, we're sticking to the process so that you are never um, uh, slighted? 
and you can say this is the man we had all we wanted all along, and you save face, and you might not get the one. So it's it's a personal choice. We had it before uh, when Hodgie was there at Hawthorne. We had it. We were all in our board on Terry Wallace, and we missed. And people in the media took us apart because we missed on Terry Wallace. So. It, it, Someone like Hawthorne, they did after have a pretty good fallback been... plan, though, Dan. <laughs> well, there were two other fallbacks as well, and then Alistair just rose from <laughs> the ashes of every other uh, prospective coach and, uh, and, and came in then. So there is two ways of looking about it, and clubs after they've had the bitter taste of defeat at the, at the, at the rush to sign someone, it affects the way they move forward and their processes in, in getting a new coach. Yeah, but what if it makes what if it means you die wondering? That's the risk. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's uh, my, my personal view, yeah. I think Adam Uze is the best imaginable fit for the Giants. I think you and I might disagree on this. So if they miss Clarkson, I don't think that's a difficult sell at all. And if North Melbourne don't get Clarkson, no one's going to be narky enough to no. go, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Well, of course they should have. Yep done it. So it, it feels to me like a unique circumstance. Mind you, we quibble about everything, so you may very we, well be right. So if North Melbourne miss with Clarkson and they get coach selection number two or maybe even coach selection number three, depending on what happens between now and and the 1st of October, uh, how does new coach come in? He'll still want the job. Yeah. I think you can rationalise that and go, well, it was Alistair Clarkson. There's a senior coach who said to me, God, I hope when they sack me, they replace me with Clarkson because that'll be all right for my ego. Well, at least they went and got him <laughs> instead of me. You're talking about coaches here and as much as Hodgie takes the mickey out of me, key forwards' egos, I tell you what, there's only one group of gentlemen who trump a key forwards' ego, and that's a coach. What do you think about five years or five-plus North Melbourne, Hodgie? Uh, would not have an issue with it. If they're going to commit, and as you said, they've gone everything in for Clarko. So we, we've spoken about this the last couple weeks, Jared, about how it is it is risky. <laughs> the fact is you go on everything at him and if it misses out, but you've got to have a bit of confidence for them. I, I reckon that they're very confident that they'll get him. Um, yep. Just the yep. fact that they've announced to everyone that it's he's, we're going to him and that's it. So that, they've obviously got some inkling to have the confidence to go out and, and say that. So... And, and as far as a term, the the length of the term, I don't think anyone would argue or, or worry about a five year deal with him because they know that what what he's going to bring to it, he's going to bring discipline. Uh, if I'd be appointing him straight away or get him to make an answer straight away, so then Horn Francis, if if he wants to keep him, that that's going to be the first tick that is probably going to keep him at North Melbourne, even though that may have already bolted that horse. But um, but yeah, I've got no issues with a five five year deal with him. Like you, you know what you're going to get. He's going to bring his people in. It's going to bring credibility to the football club. It's going to bring names. It's going to bring sponsors. It's going to bring everything. And all of a sudden, North are going to be, go from a laughing stock from two years ago to a team that's got what probably the best coach of the last twenty years um, with his history and the people he's brought in. And we all saw how he turned Hawthorne around in, in a matter of four years. Um, so yeah, five years is not an issue from my end. 
We, we might be days away, really. Oh, there's there's a feeling mid next week, isn't there? Can we continue this after the yeah, break? Yeah, absolutely. There's a bit more in this. Yeah, we might do it after the break. All oh, right, oh, that's yeah, it's oh. Oh, oh, <laughs> this is taking Jared's role. I asked first. Oh. Oh. I so take a leap on him. Oh. I'm leaping like Zorko. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is crunch time, and uh, we'll continue our Alistair Clarkson conversation next. Welcome to Crunch Time. The round 22 edition of Crunch Time. We are at Marvel Stadium where the Bulldogs will meet their longtime nemesis, the Giants. The Dogs need to win to keep their chances alive. And as soon as Richmond win, then St Kilda are mathematically out of contention, but broadly discounted after last night's 15-point defeat at the hands of the Brisbane Lions, who sit second right now there is so much to play out over the next couple of days and so many issues to deal with jared Whateley, sam edmund luke hodge and dermot burton with you we're mid-conversation around north melbourne's moves to land alistair clarkson and what the club might look like on the other side of that sam so there's so many strands to this so you mentioned the timeline everything we hear is that this is going to come to a head next week very soon anyway which i think if you're north melbourne and your chips in on one guy without a plan b at the moment i mean that'd be news to me if i was You'd want to know sooner rather than later. And every indication is we will get that answer. But there's so many strands to this. So the CEO, Ben Amafio, I mean, I've been told that his position is bordering on untenable moving forward at the moment. And that's all intertwined with Alistair Clarkson or whoever it might be that comes on as coach because they're going to struggle to attract the high-end footy department personnel they need while Ben remains in the position. Now... North have some big announcements coming up. One of them next week, we think, will be that uh, Mazda signs on. They may just sponsor in a new big deal for the football club, which is a significant achievement for them. So I think these things are intertwined. So Ben Amafio commercially has done an outstanding job. So Mazda come on. They've got record membership. They've got no debt. They've got a brand new facility that's about to be finished. Tick, tick, tick and tick. But it's the football department now. And there's not many football CEOs out there. So North Melbourne are actively hunting in this space at the moment. I think Ben Amafio might use this opportunity, if not next week, then in the weeks to come to say, I've done my bit. I'm going off to pursue other things and other interests and other opportunities. And then we wait for Clarkson off the back of that. Okay. Do you, have they got somebody in mind? I think so. Yes, yes. Yeah, they do. Someone who's in the industry at another club at the moment that they're, that they're invested in and exploring. Now it gets saucy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Now I was given a name. I pursued that name. That person denied that they'd been approached. So um, watch this space. But I, I think just coming back, there's not many football CEOs out there, Jared, that are, that have a real footy mind, but a great commercial and business acumen as well. There's not many of them out there. So, And North Melbourne really need an experienced older hand in this department, I would have thought, for all the obvious reasons. How did Koshy's week go with Port Adelaide and Ken Hinckley, Dermot? Dreadful. <laughs> Dreadful. You want all oars in the water pulling in the same direction and Koshy backflip. Koshy, uh, um for... Such, we see such an erudite, intelligent man. It's almost like he doesn't get some football matters and speaks, jumps before he thinks. Um, Yeah, I just thought that was a pretty awful thing to say early in the week. It was a knee-jerk reaction on commentary, trying to cater to his supporters. 
Um, we heard, you know, people have been, you know, sack Ken whatever signs outside as he drives in in the previous weeks and the likes. And it was Koshy trying to cater to them, but then there was damage done to the footballing department. And then he's now flipped and tried to cater to them. It, it was a bit wishy He vacillated on the, on the entire situation. So what does it mean? So they'll honour Ken Hinckley's contract for next year. It makes the scenario combustible coming into the new season, doesn't it? It, it means if he, if he has next season what he had this year, he won't make it through that initial five-game losing stanza. It just, it just won't, it won't get there. Yeah. So he has to win, win, win right through from the, the word go. Where are you here, Hodgie? Um, very similar to what Derm said. It, was, it seemed different stories that were coming out. And when you've got a team that's backs against the wall, especially with Port Adelaide, a very aggressive supporter base, um, you don't want mixed messages coming out. So, um, look, I, I feel he had, he had a bad moment where, he, as you said, he tried to please others. But he reaffirmed what he's been saying for a long time. He's always had Ken Hinckley's back for the whole time he's been with him. And he had one little slip up where he tried to please, please a few others. So look, that happens. Everyone makes it. Everyone makes a mistake to him. You can't, you can't throw him. He's done, he's done a very good job for Port Adelaide. He's the, yes, he has. There's no denying that, but he is the president. You you can't have that. Well, we've had Jeff Kennett and Jeff, Jeff's made a few mistakes every now and then. Jeff's a different, different. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is if, if, the person's heart's in the right place. You always forgive a mistake. And Jeff made a number, but we forgave Jeff because Jeff is a person who looks after his people around him. And, and you put back and go, you shouldn't have said that, Jeff, and you bang your head against the wall and you'll say it again in a couple of weeks. But you look at Koshy. Koshy has always had Ken's back. And, yes, he had, he had a, a stage earlier this week where he probably said something that he wished he didn't. And then his next time that he had a chance to make up for it, he did. So I sit back and go, Look, he made a mistake, he's made up for it, and he's always had Ken's back. So I reckon Ken's sitting back going, well, look, for the majority of the time, he's, he's been there supporting me. Yeah, it but was that's such a destabilising comment. Hey, just unnecessary. It, Kenny is probably, yeah, he's been given all the assurances, as he said, and yet he's probably spent this week kicking back thinking, oh, hang on, maybe I'm not as safe as what I thought I was. So there's, there's a week of nervousness and anxiety, and for what? And f- for naught. But it, it, it was a... If you wanted a comment that was in complete contrast to having his back, uh, Hodgie, oh, as you say, so in complete contrast from a, a, a highly intelligent man who considers everything he says, I, I struggle to believe that such a smart man could allow those words to come from his lips because it was, it, it was a pointed message. Turn it around or watch out. <laughs> <laughs> he got fed You're the line. Grimacing. That's the worst he part did. of it. He repeated it. Like he yeah. fell into Adelaide Radio shtick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, coming you're off. Right. So uh, watch. Well, I think I listened to it and thought, ah, oh, you've accidentally introduced doubt rather than deliberately introduced. Well, he doubt. was given multiple opportunities to guarantee Ken in that interview, and he didn't. He kept saying everyone's under review, all aspects of the yeah. football of it. So he he. Bypassed it on multiple yeah, occasions. But that, that part of it's right, is every part of that football program has to be under review at Except the end four. of the season. Um, but you go, we have maintained all along yep. that, that Ken is our coach for 2023. So his, his performance has been reviewed, but his job's not under threat. So there is a, there's a nuance there that sometimes gets missed, I think. So the last question on that is, are they right to go into next year? In, in such, is. on such a fragile ground. Uh, 
I reckon with I, what, what, I what Ken has done, what Ken has done is that fo- at that football club, he deserves the right, I believe, to go into his last year and however it turns and fight out. fight for the job. And f- exactly right. And you, yeah. you got to the start of this year. Everyone was saying that Port, a lot of people tipped them to be top four. I had them in the grand final because of what they've shown in the past. They were decimated by injuries in that in the first first five weeks of the year. And I know it's no excuse. Their, their season's been inconsistent since. But for what that bloke has done over there for Port Adelaide for standing up, I believe he, he's got the right to go into his last year. And who knows? He could turn it around. We've seen clubs yep. do it before. Uh, and I reckon he, for what he's done, he, he does deserve the right to do it. Yeah. I can't see them now where their list is right now. There, there is improvement coming with some of the younger fellows. I mean, Dersma needs to get it back on track and continue the upward plane. Butters is a young star. But of their six bona fide match winners... Two of them are literally, you know, thirty big thirty pluses. They're not thirty creeping thirty one. Um, we're talking about Robbie Gray and uh, and Boki. They are mid thirties. So to me, they're down to four match winners in that team. So that's where that list is, and that void needs to be filled by the younger players coming through. Can they fill that quick enough? Because unless they have a minimum of six match winners, I can't see them getting into the top four again. Now, and, and I understand, yes, he's deserved the right. And that I hear that comment frequently, Hodgie, and, and it is one that when you're on the board, you actually think, yeah, we have to stand by this fellow and show him. The hard, ruthless clubs which get results, a lot of the time say, that is poppycock. You don't have to say a coach deserves the right. We make the decision that gives our club the best chance to move forward. And I think the Port Adelaide board will still be, they won't be unanimous in that feeling. They will still think, what tweaks do we need to make to get back up into that top four again? Because there are tweaks required. Yeah. Hindsight will be twenty twenty on this. Absolutely. But watch Robbie Gray too. I'm not Sure, if we're going to get not trying to retire him here, but we might he might have a decision or an announcement in the coming uh, in the coming weeks. That's the, the last to be the last stage is a showdown. It would be a lovely stage to bow out on, Mister Showdown himself. If that How was good his, his, if that yeah. was his intentions. Uh, so, where did the appeals board leave us with the with the bump, the protection of the heads? Patrick Cripps, who plays tonight now against Melbourne, having looked all week like his home and away season was over. It's 10.30 Thursday night. The coach has given up on it hours ago. Presumably someone texted me, hey, (laughs) I don't know whether Patrick Cripps even made it through to the end of the episode by the sound of it. Fossey only lasted half an hour. He had another four and a half to stick out. Unbelievable. Where are we? Well, we're thoroughly confused, are we not? I mean, we knew it would go the distance, Jared. Started Monday, went to Tuesday, appeals board Thursday. They argued the bump. They argued an error of law. Five hours later, Patrick Cripps is freed. And I don't think where any of us could say with any absolute certainty where we're at in terms of aerial balls, whether they be kicks or handballs or marking contests or not. Crumb of a spoil. Yeah. Then, then what... What is a player to do in that situation again? Because I get the impression that Patrick Cripps, if that scenario by some freak of nature unfolds tonight, he's doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. So there's two aspects to this. There's the legal side to it, and then there's the football side of it. And, and we how the two the legal... yeah, relate. So it's a chronic overreach on the legal side of it. That's not what the appeals board... They overreached in a, a drastic way. 
they're, they're really, their only role is to determine whether it was reasonable for that to be judged a bump. Well, you can argue error of law, though. That's an avenue for appeal. Of, yes, but of course it was reasonable that it was a bump. So they spent their time re-examining vision. They had a new angle they were dealing with. That's not... The, the old days of the appeal where you could just run your case again, That that's not supposed to be the way that it goes. Now, where does it leave the two players who sat before Stuart Lowe and, and Wayne Hedwood when Stephen Jurica and co step in and go, no, that's that's a mad decision. We're so, not letting that stand. So the appeals board chairman, Murray Kellum, emerged finally to say these words, Jared. The video did not reveal a bump. It set out as a contest of the ball that resulted in a collision. The findings were unreasonable and did not comply with the requirements of procedural fairness. So that's the error of law that that the the, the panel weren't given directions on tribunal night to, to go away and, and basically they had introduced the term bump when it hadn't been put to Patrick Cruz. But this is what happens when you get QCs coming in and arguing against former players. I mean, they're going to tear them to shreds in that scenario, Jared. But in terms of the bump, they said it was no bump. It was a, it was a collision. A collision. Go, Hodgie. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at the clip at the moment, <laughs> and I, I felt it was a bump. I, um, I, I changed from – I did the game, and I spoke, and there was a the zoomed-in vision where his eyes were on the ball, and then I went back and watched the tape, and Kalachi's almost grabbing the ball, and Cripps has leapt off the ground, <clears throat> almost in a Zorko fashion there, Jared. And he's turning. He, he's he's turning, and there's no option to knock the ball away. Um, people sort of say he's there to to protect himself and brace for contact. But I, I put it down. And when they went back at, at the um, to try and I thought Colin would just a Carlton were just throwing something to the wind, thinking we got it, we need him if we're going to make finals. We need this bloke. So let's go one one avenue to try and see if we can get something and if a miracle can happen. And mm. four and a half hours, I wasn't sitting that long. I just thought it was an automatic. It's going to get thrown out. Um, he'll be suspended for two weeks, but. As you said, when lawyers get involved, it gets tricky and it just made a, a bit of a fumble of the situation. It was a little bit of a blur for me. I, I thought it was a football action. I, I differ to you, Luke. I, I, I thought his focus was the footy. And at that moment, understanding how quickly football moves... Damn, can I we just say your credibility's gone because you said Crouch should not be suspended. <laughs> 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 That's out the window, my friend. He might not. <laughs> I'm hoping for the young man he sees the name over. Sorry, mate. I continue. think I'm fighting a losing battle on that one and I'm willing to run the white flag up against you there. Um, yeah, but I think he wanted to contest the ball. The thing is, if you're saying... There's a deliberate action there to bump, to elect a bump, and he got him in the head. It's very difficult, understanding the way the body moves on a football field, to bump somebody with real solid contact and in intent from behind and get them in the head. It's not an action you do with venom when you jump from behind. Oh. And I thought the jump was perfectly and legitimately reasonable given the time frame of how quick it unfolded when he was going for the ball, that he jumped in the air and there was a point in time where he said, I'm not going to arrive on time, and he turned sideways. If he had real venom to jump, bump and fell the player, it wouldn't have looked the way it did. It would have been much more vicious and it would have looked if you ask Cal, If you ask Cal Archie, mate, it was pretty vicious from his point of view. Can cast miss this week. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, a bloke, we he's a bloke with, with 12, 12 kilos plus on Cal Archie. So it was a pretty physical 
That's, that's not Patrick Cripps' fault. That, and if we are to legislate against injury, hell knows what our game will look like. There are, there are contact moments and we have a no offside rule sport and that's what makes our sport brilliant above most other uh, footballing codes. Uh, you, you can't legislate against injury and this is just one of those football moments. Yes, we feel for Cal Archie. Yes, we feel sorry that he's suffered you know, that, that, that mild concussion. But to me, that's a football moment and, and we wear it and we move on. Yeah, so I think the way you've explained it, and I thought Daisy Pearce did a superb job on Thursday morning and all of that is right, except that it's not unreasonable to say that's a bump. And this is, this is where we got ourselves to, is if the first tribunal has found your way, Dermot, I think we all go, yeah, yeah, okay. This was always at the margins, no worries. But once the first tribunal goes, no, that's a two-week suspension, it's, it's an impossible overreach, I think, by the appeals board to step in and scrap that. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just don't think that was their place. Mm. And clearly, brilliantly we could argued run it again by defence. You could run it again tomorrow night and, and you, get three different panel yeah, members you wouldn't, and we'll go again. Yeah. We'll, flip, we'll, we'll, vacillate, we'll flop again. Yep. And so how does that is serve it, the game? Is that the frustrating part about this? That we're, we're trying to protect the head, but then you can have so many people. Um, we're, we're sitting here having this discussion and we're saying, is it a bump, is it not? There's, there's so much grey area in this where mm. a lot of it we're supposed to be saying, if if we're protecting the head and it looks like a bumping motion, that's the decision of the two weeks was initially correct, in my opinion, and in a lot of other people's as well. The mm. AFL responded yesterday, Jared. They released a statement to oh, say... Just a statement? Yes. No, just one, st- no one would actually come out and say anything about it or answer any questions about it? The executive GM of football, Andrew Dillon, is quoted. Is that enough? No, it's not even vaguely enough. <laughs> so he says... And this is, you tell me what this actually says. So read it, and then we'll play a bit of reading comprehension. Okay, so it says that the AFL will closely review the AFL, uh, the appeals board's detailed reasons for the decision that will be received in due course. Now, Andrew Dillon said it was too early to say whether the decision would prompt any changes in the AFL's regulations or tribunal procedures, but the AFL would not shy away from taking such action if it was needed. Andrew Dillon is quoted as saying, the health and safety of our players is of paramount importance to the AFL, and we will continue to evaluate and, where necessary, act to prioritise that objective in relation to the occurrence of concussion and other injuries in the playing of our game. Andrew, do you agree with the decision of the appeals board? Anything else for him? Andrew, how under your guidelines has an appeals board come up with such a verdict? Andrew, what does that do? Never mind the it's too early to tell. What does that do to the league's determination to limit head trauma within the game? How could you rewrite your laws around bumping to cover off such a scenario? Like no one ever fronts up, Jared. Anymore. I think I think we just found They're out like why the Politburo. I think we found out why no one fronted up. Because <laughs> if you were going to be there asking these pointed questions, they would have walked away with egg on their face. Don't you think the league has a responsibility, given that we are all invited to watch every week in a season that is delivering so much, and tell us what the hell is going on? Yep. This well, is the league's ju- own judicial system. They're the league's own laws. They, they own all of this. But no, no, you, you guys figure it out for yourselves. You'll be right. It'll all blow over. It'll we, all blow over. Yeah, well, that's it. We can't figure it out. 
And we, we haven't figured it out for, for decades. I mean, I know that the head's become more important mm. as we've gone on, but there's always been a blurring of the lines between intent and, and the injury suffered. This is just the, the, the next extension in the next era. It feels like the game has a necessary determination to continue to evolve, and three times a year it gets hit with six steps backwards within its own system. So it's either its rules aren't robust enough to, to drive the evolution that they're searching for, or they haven't brought everyone together. They're still struggling with the, you're not looking at the big picture here as to what head trauma and concussion is going to look like in a generation's time. And we're still in this grapple of individual moments and down into the minutiae of it rather than, hey, this is the way contact sport demands to evolve. I, and, and let, let me not be the bearer of bad news, but I have thoroughly thought about this. And in an offside, no offside, physical contact game, this is going to happen for the next 100 years. It is. But it and has to happen as little as possible. It, uh, that's, that's the want. It's like the road toll. We want zero. That, yes. But we are going to keep having people die on the roads. The want is for no concussion, but we're going to get them because the area is grey. There, there is contact from 360 degrees vantage point for the, the approaching player. And how that pans out will be up for conjecture between now and when hell freezes over. And every and that's contact a, sport is facing the same but challenge. Other contact sports. So let's call but, soccer but a if, contact sport. Yeah. The ball's built on the ground. Yep. So you'll never have those. this scenario. No. This is a robust sport where we, we legally allow men to jump up and put a knee into somebody's head. And if they mark the ball high off the ground, we actually give them a car. <laughs> and the person, and the person who's been kneading the back of the head misses the next. What week. do they get? Well, they miss the next know. week. Yeah. So, and then how do we equate that to somebody who forget the Patrick Cripps can test the ball, and in years to come, if you want to legislate against um, any form of head contact and, and trauma to the head, somebody who legally can test the ball, and there's an errant arm that knocks somebody down. How do we equate that against a screamer which knocks a bloke out? And yet we award them with yeah. their prize. So I would still... It's I, go on forever. I respect what you're saying, but show me the incident where the mark of the year has left the other player concussed. Okay. Well, and, okay. No, no, but I, so this gets said, and you go, but I just don't think that's real. There are players who so, get hurt yeah, in overhead marking, If we go no right at the margins, so let's say this, the Crips incident is right on the margin. Are we better as a sport for the necessary evolution of the game to tip to the suspension than the other. So you use the Rotol. I think it's a really good analogy. So we move from 60 to 50 because we believe that it makes the suburban roads safer. But every now and then the AFL tribunal comes along and goes, ah, no, 58 was fine. 58's fine. (laughs) We're trying to get to... It's just a small incremental movement. But if you keep going the other way in the margin calls, you never get there. I don't think we'll ever go the other way again in the margin in those areas. Well, we just did yesterday. The, yes, but I believe we need these moments to just tighten on occasion. So the would idea is you change behaviour. Would it have been a complete travesty of justice 
if the Crips suspension had stood. Like an absolute travesty that no, we would look back on for generations no, and go, how not. could we let that happen? It, 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 no, it wouldn't no. have been a travesty. It's just a but margin call. Oh, I feel this it would have been wrong, Which way? Not a travesty. Yes, it yeah. Would, yeah. And, and some believe it would have been right, some believe it would have been wrong. But to get the necessary evolution at the margins, you have to tip toward making the game just one incremental step For me, safer. that's like taxation bracket I creep. That. <laughs> it just keeps creeping forward yeah. to hey. the point where there's no... There's just no contact. But your road toll and LG, well, let's just stay at 60. No, 50 makes the road, the suburban road safer. But if, if the council keeps coming along and going, nah, you can do 58, no worries. No. But he did 50, nah, 58's fine. No, no, 58 will be fine. No, we, we're trying to get to 50 to make the road safer mm. in your analogy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll never do it. Oh, if we keep, go if we keep squibbing, we'll never get there. Doom. So, so, the, idea, so the thinking go. is there's some collateral damage. So, so Patrick Cripps gets suspended and some people say he shouldn't have and some people say he should have. But over time, Jerry, what you're saying is we err on the side of protecting the – siding with the victim, if that's the phrase, in Kalamachi, and we change behaviour steadily yep. potentially so over, over time. Over time, we are actually asking the next player in Patrick Cripps' decision to make a, a modified decision. But gee, that's hard. But gee, that but is, of course it's hard. I've got some sympathy for Patrick Cripps there too. With that, though, Doom. That's what makes Patrick Cripps Patrick Cripps. Doom, oh, what, what do you think the intent of Patrick Cripps was? Do you reckon he was trying to make a, make, make a stance? Like you think it was 12 minutes... I think he blurted into the stance, yes. Because it was 12, the minutes, last moment. 12 minutes into the 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. They've had 13 scoring shots against them to two. It was 38 to two. Was this a captain who was, I need to do something. I need to lift our boys. So I saw, I saw an opportunity to have a crack and, and maybe be a bit physical against the opposition. And that was the circumstance. Do you reckon that's... Fair enough. That's why I believe this should have been two weeks. Because he you was, and I know and, that, and then that, they, is, he, that is the case. They went on to kick. He kicked the next goal. They went on to kick the next three. And all of a sudden, Carlton were back in the game because the captain made a stance, a physical stance, tried to lift his team. But you go back to his mindset for it. That's why I believe the two weeks should have, stand, uh, should have stood. Luke Hodge, Dermot Brereton, it is a spirited debate. It's happening around every office and pub this weekend of footy for sure. This is crunch time. The award-winning Crunch Time. We are gearing up for today's games thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Bulldogs and Giants, Crows and North Melbourne. In the middle, the Suns and the Cats. The Derby, Fremantle and West Coast. But the undoubted highlight is Melbourne and Carlton, which we will get to in a few moments' time. This is uh, each week we have dedicated to the trade discussion of the previous week. Luke Hodge and Dermot Burton, you can have a listen to what Sam Edmonds got for us as to how the past seven days have unfolded. Sammy, it's all yours. Well, Tim Tarano is a really interesting watch at the moment. So Richmond right in the mix here. I know he's been linked heavily with Collingwood, but uh, Richmond coming hard for Tim Taranto as well. And so the Pies have got a dog in the fight. each, along to some extent as well, even though the Cats uh, like the thought of Jacob, Jacob Hopper in the hoops next year. So they're slightly different. I mean, neither has reached free agency status. Tarano is 24, Hopper's 25, but Tarano's out of contract, Hopper is not. So logically speaking, Jacob Hopper will be harder to acquire, but that's the path the Cats want to go down. I think Tim Tarando, if he's sitting here right here right now, you're saying he's either going to be at Punt Road or he's going to be at Collingwood next year. Dugowie will either be at Collingwood or St Kilda next year. I, I think if you're a betting man, you, you're putting your chips in the, the Collingwood corner at the 
the moment, and he stays at the price that is right for Collingwood. Brody Grundy is on at the moment. Uh, this Rule out GWS, but he was blown away by the Melbourne presentation, I'm told, that he was so impressed by what the vision that Melbourne set, the, their professionalism, um, what they sold to him. And Melbourne have been here before. They got in front of Adam Chera last year when he was well down the path to Carlton, and Adam Chera left that meeting blown away again by what the Demons had to say and the vision they painted. The only problem for, for him was that Melbourne didn't have the levers to pull to get him in the door, so he ended up going to Carlton. So it doesn't mean that Melbourne are going for Brody Grundy as a priority. I mean, I'm told they might want to go younger, they might want to go cheaper, but they have met with him and they have been very impressive in terms of getting in front of Brody Grundy. So do they potentially win another couple of flags with Grundy um, in there as a ruckman? That's going to be debated going forward. Jack Gunston. Now, Brisbane have not spoken to him directly, but they've certainly made an inquiry about getting Jack Gunston up to the Gabba. Now, the, the Lions have definitely asked the question of Buddy Franklin as well. So what's happened up there is they've known for months that Dan McStay is going to be going. Has Dan McStay told them formally? No. But the people up there know that Dan McStay is going to end up at the Pies next year. So they're well down the planning path to the point whereby if McStay somehow backflips and stays, they might have a problem. But that's not going to happen. He's going to leave. And now who do they replace him with? So he's got a decision to make at Hawthorne, Jack Gunston. And Hawthorne have got a decision to make with him. So those talks are happening at the moment. He's 30 years of age. He has reached free agency status at the Hawks. And he's out of contract as well. And I think post the back issues. He's shown some real signs of life this year and would have a couple of good years of footy left in him. Well, let's let our Hawthorne legends kick that one around. Well, the Gunston one, he's had two bags of five in the back half of the season and I think he's shown that uh, he still has a lot of good footy left in him. To me, there, as a Hawthorne follower, uh, uh, there's a bit of romance in keeping some of these players and I would like, and notwithstanding the fact that he went to Adelaide to, at the start of his career and Hawthorne got him when he was still a young, young man. He feels a Hawthorne person. Um, yeah, I'd like the romance of him being as good as a one-club player in in essence of the, the crux of his career. So I'd hope that is the case and I think he's still very capable because if he, he leaves, you're probably then saying to yourself, what senior-wise head do we have to place next to Mitch Lewis next year? And it's the same problem that he's probably somebody would say he's going to go and fix somewhere else. Hodgie, what about if you came at it from Gunston's <coughs> perspective? Um, oh, if you're a top-four team, you would be definitely asking the question for Jack because he's such a quality player. I think the big question last year when a lot of the senior Hawthorne players were, were put on the table for trade, or the, the, the older ones... The, it was the the back operations which people were having doubt with, and and as Derm said, he's he's had a couple of bags of five in the last few weeks. He's looking really good. He's looking fit. He looked like his hunger for football is definitely still there. So I guess apart from from Jack's point of view, is is he looking to to move in a state? Um, mm. Players, when you get to that age, you, you you do want to be comfortable. You do want to stay in and around familiar faces. Um, and he's gone through a bit this year, Jack. Um, personally. Uh, so, look, I guess that's a big call that he's got to make. Is he willing to, to move away from, from Melbourne where, he's, where his family are to, to go somewhere else? But I, I definitely think Hawthorne would be keen to keep him just for, as Derm said, to help Mitch Lewis, but also what he's been able to produce. And he's got the flexibility. He can play half forward, play wing, play back. Uh, and he's done all those roles with success in the past. Yeah, they're life decisions as much as footy ones, aren't they, a lot of the time. And, yeah, and some as, people at, at his age... Uh, some people deal with it really well. Luke 
clearly dealt with it well going to Brisbane when perhaps he thought he wasn't going to continue on. Um, some of some of us struggled when we went interstate at a certain age because you're too set in your life. Your business interests are in your home state, so. And because he's a free agent, it's not like Hawthorne are going to get a lot back or in the other way, but it, it certainly helps Brisbane. I think it's smart business if you're Brisbane because they don't have to use a pick and we know that they'll need to sandbag a lot of their picks for the father-sons, Will Ashcroft and Jasper Fletcher as well, who they're committed to. So they're going to need all the picks they've got. If they are able to convince and Hawthorne let Jack Gunston go, then I think that's good business. He joins as a free agent and it's McStay out Gunston in. If, if there was no... so If, if his father wasn't... Um uh, Marcus Ashcroft, would he? What number would he go? Oh, he's right at the pointy end. Yeah, right. So you're saying he's number one? Or he's in the he's on the podium? Yeah, he's in the conversation. Yeah, I don't, I'm no he's draft expert, but that's speaking to people who who uh, the track watchers, if you like, or the the foot industry says so right up there. Dyson Apple, Jared's been a really fascinating case, and I, I have a bit of sympathy for Dyson because Essendon were very slow to come to the contract table here. In fact, they didn't come at all for a large portion of the year, and when they did. The offer wasn't a terrific one. It was a one-year deal and not a belter financially. So then the Gold Coast come in. Two as a player, two as a coach, four-year package. That was the indication. They spoke to him. They flew down. They met with him as well. So Dyson, as you'd understand, it started after the shock of it all, it started to get his head around the fact that, well, maybe it won't be a bad thing. Go up there, um, change of scene. You know, uh, he got his head around it. He was warming to it. And then in the meantime, the Bombers improved their offer and the Suns went cold. Now, if you want an understanding, yeah, like of, a bit of understanding exactly of how ruthless this industry is, I mean, the Suns were angered by the Bombers going for Rankin. Now, there's no love lost between the two clubs at the trade table, I'm told. So the Suns agreed to pay a portion of Peter Wright's wages well in a trade going back a couple of years. So if you're looking at it with a sceptical mind, you're thinking the Suns have planted the seed and they've made Essendon pay more. Now, that's a big ruse to get that far, Jared. But what's fair to say is that there is no love lost between those two clubs. And, yeah, they're interested in Dyson Apple, But now that it's potentially fallen through from a Gold Coast perspective and the Essendon have up their offer... I don't think their hearts are bleeding over it, to be honest. That's where we sit with him. And Isaac Rankin, we wait, as do the Suns, hoping for the best but fearing the worst from their point of view anyway, and that is that he accepts that $4 million over five-year contract laid out by the Adelaide Crows, which is a, which is a big one. It could be a big move. Can, can, just to go back to Brodie Grundy, so he is sitting in and entertaining club offers mm. from other people. He is actively participating in interviews yes. with other teams. Yes, so that makes a mockery of the 20 years ago, the anti-poaching laws, doesn't it? It's, um, it's, it's, so it, do you think he's emotionally out the door? I think, I think he's, his read is that Collingwood, are, um, they would like to see him out the door. Yeah, so he, do, you, do you think after I that think read, do you I think, think he's emotionally got his head he around, I'm leaving? hearted but God, if they don't want me and there's this, neat little cue, I, I suppose I better see where my heart lies. So you, you, in your dealings, you've spoken to Brodie Grundy in person before. Have you ever had a, 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 a longish conversation with him? Yeah, I might. Yep, once or twice. Well, he doesn't strike me as the fellow, a fellow who will say, this hurts. I've been viewed as uh, um, my... my my salary needs to be sacrificed here, not me as the player. He strikes me as a player who could look at that philosophically and not be hurt yep. by it. Mm. It, it would be you. It would be mildly confusing, would it not, to be offered seven years, 
seven million, and then for it so quickly to be. Uh, but I thought we were going to live yeah. together for the rest of our football careers. Mildly confusing because they didn't know that uh, Darcy Cameron was going to be as capable. But he, so what you've got, what what you've got there is somebody capable of filling the role, perhaps not the actual ruck role as well as Brody's best, but capable of filling it. And still having the team win at a far more reasonable price. But he's That's still what Collingwood yeah, are thinking. He's still in a pretty good position though. So it's not as if he's sitting at where are Collingwood now. They've moved down to third because of Brisbane Lions, but. It's not as if he's going from a team that's third down to 15 or 16. He's looking at a side that's the reigning premiers. And then he's also Geelong, another one who, who have been crying out for a Ruckman for a long time. So mm. at least the ball's in his court. It's not someone where they're saying, get out and you, we, we want you to go to a team that's not playing finals over the next few years. He's, he's got pretty appealing offers from, from quality clubs. Yeah, so his motivation's got to be, well, I'll, I'll go show you. I'll go win a few flags. <laughs> yeah, he said, he, as I said, I, I had... A wonderful opportunity to speak to him. I reckon for 60 minutes at one of these functions and just hearing the way he talked about life. And I think he'll deal with it quite philosophically. Yeah. Anything else? No, but I think it's good business that Collingwood, people get on them, they're going to be paying maybe $600,000 a year for two players to play against them. But if it means you get Taranto in, Bobby Hill in, McStay, and you better balance your list, maybe it's not a bad thing. The salary cap's going to go up. Can I ask a question so, having seen the boys, trained with them, know them inside out, Taranto and Hopper, are they? it seems like they're going to definitely lose one. Is it more of a chance that they'll definitely lose both? I think there's a real chance they lose both. Yeah, absolutely. This will be a target. This won't be an exodus, but it'll be a targeted parting of the ways with a lot of players up there. Tanner Bruin as well, Bobby Hill, and the list goes on and on because this is their lot. This is where they're at. They, they went all in for the flag. didn't quite work mm. out. Now, as we've seen with other clubs before, they, they need to make room at the back end, bail some water out of the boat, if you like. They're slightly different players. I think Hopper's better at the source. His figures don't show that this year, clearly, because he spent so much time out of the game. He's better at the source. Taranto's figures look better at the source. Taranto's a better goal kicker, but we haven't seen that come to the fore either. Hopper's better at the source with his sidestep and ability to find a, a, a tiny gap in space in the traffic. So they are very, very similar players. But if you're asking me, I think Taranto's more likely to leave than, than Hopper. Well, he's a, he is a Riverina boy originally, isn't he, Hopper? I think so. I'll have yep. a look. Yep. Yep. The bounce back for Juraveg, providing erosion control and environmental vegetation, revegetation. It's, so tonight it's Melbourne and Carlton, which is absolutely perfect. And all the sub stories that have gone into this, just give me your best 60 seconds, Derm, on the Blues and the Ds tonight at the G. Whoa. Uh, well, I, think, I still think, and with all respect to how good the Cats are going, I think when, when every team gets their desired result, I still can't get away from the feeling that Melbourne's best footy is best in the comp will they find it though there's something about the blues this year there's a lot of fight in them they've been off the boil in the back half of the year we know that i'd like a bit of a bit of argy bargy off the field during the wheel some during the week some people say oh that's upset them that will you know their mind has been off it i reckon there's nothing like a good fight to actually prepare you for it and then it's like we've got him yes yeah. and they all run out and they're all all running in the same direction 
I think it'll be a beauty. I think Carlton will press them a lot more than people are thinking. Single-figure margin. Expect that Melbourne's back line might be able, might be, will be able to hold them to under 14 goals, and I think Melbourne might be able to kick the 14. What a great night ahead. We're gearing up for all the action today for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. The award-winning crunch time. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The rever for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. I think, Luke Hodge, you should do the honours. This is a, a throwback to when we were kids and the one Sunday game was at the SCG and it was a pulsating <laughs> affair <call>. right <laughs> at the top end of things. Tomorrow it's the Swans. And the pies this is going to be so great in prospect. Oh, it's uh, it's huge, Jared. To go back six months ago to think that you, you'll be sitting here talking about Collingwood and Sydney to whoever wins the game is going to go into the top four. With Sydney got St Kilda next week and Carlton Collingwood, so they're both massive games for both teams. But look, if you you watch how both teams are playing, Sydney absolutely love how they've changed their game style with a young team brought Warner into the midfield. Um, Love watching him play, uh, but how big this is for for both sides. Collingwood just continue to <laughs> to amaze us. Nine wins in a row, uh, sorry, eleven wins in a row. Nine by under two goals. Um, both sides are just so impressive. But as far as a win, I, I've got Collingwood in a, in another close one. Just how calm and how composed they were last week against Melbourne. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to this game. Yeah, can't tip against them until they lose, Jared. That's my black and white philosophy for the moment. But if you do, you're going to get it right sooner than later. But but how about all the all the Collingwood supporters are saying we need a loss before the finals? We need a loss before the finals. (laughs) I'm not sure why, but that's what they're all saying. So you're the roulette player, eleven reds. It's got to be black, hundred percent, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. In fact, load up on black. (laughs) (laughs) All right, turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwood, and Dandenong. Sam, time for a little dabble. Enjoying crunch time banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy crunch time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. Yes, indeed, Jared. This time every week we touch base with Josh Jeans at Dabble. Josh, what have we got lined up for this week? Yeah, yeah, plenty to like this week. And, of course, coming in with some good form as well. Sammy hitting an $8.35 goal scorer multi last Saturday. So the Saturday team picking up some good form. Uh, Bulldogs today, 1-39. to North Melbourne to start with a 31.5 points uh, handicap there. The Cats, I know you're talking about the, the need for a loss, but you've gone, you've backed them in against the Suns. The Ds. And the Dockers to win by over 25. What's your favourite leg there, Sammy? Oh, I like I like Fremantle. I like Fremantle in that. Uh, how could you not? Uh, in the in the Derby, as it were, Josh. But I've got. I'm a bit distracted. I've got Derm alongside me. He has got a cracker of a multi lineup. Now strap yourself in go. for this one. Uh, he delivers it in person this week as well. Well, I think that. <laughs> I think the Giants played their grand final last week, so I'm going for the doggies by 40 plus. I think they, Ooh, they might okay. fall off here, the, the Giants. Darcy Fogarty's in the form of his career. Uh, how, how anyone can expect him to kick under three goals is beyond me. So I think you, you put him in for two plus. And the Catters, I reckon 
the bananas in pajamas could have beaten the Suns last week, so I'm going for the cats by forty Jeez. plus as well. Smack, smack, Jenny? smack. There you go, Josh. Yeah. That is massive from Dermot Love and Madden, of course. Very easy to copy those bets. Just download the Dabble app. Uh, follow the Crunch Time AFL team. Follow Derm23 and go on, have a Dabble. Dabble socially and gamble responsibly, team. Enjoy Crunch Time banter. Check out Dabble banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a Dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. What's about to play out before us? So the Dogs and the Giants and Adelaide and North Melbourne. So I think the greatest sense of intrigue is can the television broadcaster find Alastair Clarkson in a corporate box either at Marvel or <laughs> yes. Adelaide Oval? <laughs> if it was here at Marvel, wouldn't that send the rabbits oh, racing, yeah. watching the Giants rather than... Last time we saw that was 90, 1994 and they, 1993 and they saw Ron Barassi up in the back of a stand sitting in a bay totally by himself watching the swan. Uh, imagine, imagine the sights he's sitting down with Horn Francis. In a, in a corporate box, just talking through football, pointing out where are we playing next year. I reckon all North, oh. North Melbourne supporters will be wanting to see that. And what just about on that? that, is we have destination clubs, and we call them that. Is North Melbourne also looking at Alistair Clarkson and saying, he's a destination coach? Mm. 100%. Yep. Well, not only a destination coach, but he's a re-signing coach. So the Cam Zerhars of the world, you can't tell me he's not re-signing if Clarko comes in. Well, well de- depending depending on the noughts on the end of the contract that can sway <laughs> well, the odd gentleman away from Kangas. Not exactly so. tighten the cap down there at the Kangas at the moment. Sammy, with, with, with Clarko's reputation, any young kid who's out of contract, 100%, if they see him walking in the door, they're going to say, well, I want to coach under Clarko. I want to see if what everyone else is mm-hmm. saying, is it true? Is he as good as what they say? 100% they're going to be signing. And then the flow-on effect from that is going to be the sponsors, everything else. How many times next year is North Melbourne going to be on the news, is going to be in the paper, front and back page, because Clarko's there? So this is going to be so big for North Melbourne, for players, but also off-field as well if they, they do get the signing. Jason Orn Francis was just weird. I'll put it in the weird basket, Jared, <laughs> that he hasn't actually played a South Australian club this year. So the one for the conspiracy theorists, if you like, that they're going to Adelaide to play Adelaide and he's been omitted with two rounds left in the season. It was a bit odd. They don't want him in the state to talk to anyone <laughs> after it. the game. They don't want him in the shop front idea. window, Dern. <laughs> I, no, think, I, I think there's enough evidence to suggest we know what he could be capable of. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was, there was enough evidence, if you yeah. were looking for it closely enough, um, last week in the second quarter. I think he gets beaten two, over on the far side. He gets beaten man-on-man man, two stoppages yeah. in a row, and then there's the third stoppage that they lose, and he just throws his arm in the air. And I think Brent Harvey... No more of that. Brent Harvey, during the week, you don't compromise standards, all right? So you can't bend and buckle to what might happen, and you can't be held to ransom on what might happen. I think that went to the heart of it as well. Do the Giants know, Derm, without Toby Green on the field, that this is their most hated rival and that they can (laughs) slam him closed? Toby's absence is is a void Mm -hmm. this afternoon. Yeah, it's an enormous, isn't it? Um, Entertainment, Will. Yeah, that, it, 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 the best game in the final series I've seen for the last decade was that preliminary final 
between the the dogs in 2016 and and the and the Giants. It's it been, was extraordinary. It's been discussed, Jared, during the week at GWS. We can end them right mm. here. So you look for motivation anywhere you can get it. That's certainly what the Giants are hanging on to this week. Good stuff, Luke Hodge. Thanks all your misadventures for us. <laughs> uh, well done being here on Crunch Time. No, thanks, Pathetic, guys. Hodgie. I hope my uh, hope my day gets better than what this morning was. <laughs> delivered. A little cat burglar. Dermot <laughs> <laughs> Burton, thank you. See you guys. Good on you, Sam. Yeah, Thanks, uh, the AFL record this weekend, it, there's a strong sense of nostalgia for old South Melbourne and Swans fans, uh, a walk down memory lane. So as you grab your, as you head to the footy, grab the record on the way in or from newsagents, 40 fabulous years ahead of tomorrow's SCG sellout. This has been Crunch Time. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.